Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge. Class is now in session. Welcome back to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. There's no better guest to have on my show than the professor himself. He's in the writer's wing of the Hall of Fame. John Clayton. John, thanks for joining me. Bruce, it's great to be with you. You know, I'm just wondering, do you have the ponytail in right now? It's tucked in. Yeah, you just gotta tuck it in. So, you know that that's my favorite commercial of all time. Like, who whose idea was that? The ad agency that does all the commercials apparently came up uh, about two years before they pitched it. Next day, they were pitching it apparently for two years because they thought that that had a chance to be one of the best. And so, what ended up happening is that uh, you know the uh, the person that was kind of running those commercials for ESPN, the one that was do the approvals and do the negotiations with the talent. Uh, was one where he gets the request and so jerry madelon's his name and so jerry uh says interesting so he takes it around the building and says okay this one looks pretty good and then uh they started to think who would be the best talent for it well the specific uh, person that the ad agency wanted was me that's awesome and they thought that was kind of curious <laughs> and so they uh we we did the commercial in los angeles we had 65 people in a sound stage i had two hairdressers which of course you know with my hair i think is pretty flattering and so with two hairdressers we we did it in 18 takes and uh really we were done by 10 the last eight were basically just uh, impromptu things just trying to ad lib and see you know if there was something that uh, we can ad lib that was going to top it but no you, there was no way they were going to top that script Oh, well, you're a natural, man. That that commercial was the best. I, I had to show my wife the other day, and she's just cracking up. But uh, we loved it. And Jerry Madelon, he's a good friend of mine. So he he knows talent. He could spot talent when he sees it, and he got you. Yeah, oh, no doubt. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> Jerry took it to uh, several different people. And, uh, you know, was kind of wondering, like, who, who – but really the ad agency was insistent on it being me which was, of course, great, because I guess as it stands, I mean, there's obviously a lot of people, because everybody would want to be involved. I've always wanted to be involved in one of those commercials, but, you know, being in Seattle, being far away, there was no way I could politic and be able to get into the mix, but this one was, apparently was one that was set for me, uh, and then to make matters better, they thought so well of it that what they did, they actually had an August TV show, where what they did is they solicited fans to be able to pick what was their favorite commercial on ESPN. But here's where the problem was. Uh, I have about 1.5 million followers on Twitter, and I usually don't I don't tweet as much as I should. Uh, Robinson Cano did a commercial where he was going through the building and shaking hands with everybody and getting them ill and sick and stuff like that. Jay-Z has... Five million, that's his agent, five million uh, followers and really pushed and got that out. And so Robinson finished first. I finished second. I'll be happy to take second under all those circumstances right. because you know, I have the memory of those commercials. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Now, the, the reason I love you, though, is that commercial, but because you're a Braddock guy, Braddock, Pennsylvania, yeah. a, Duquesne, a Duquesne alum. Um, so explain, what were you doing in Pittsburgh this weekend? So it was, it was kind of a nostalgic weekend. Now, first off, uh, 
you know, we're all lamenting last year's loss back uh, of Dan Rooney because right. Dan was so special to everybody. I mean, he and Joe Gordon were the first people to approve a press pass for me when I was 17 years old at Churchill High School so I could write two stories a week for the St. Mary's Daily Press and cover the Steelers back in 1972. So they had the Dan Rooney Symposium on Friday, and I was on one of the panels with Mike Tomlin and Jim Rooney and Jeff Pash from the league office. So I uh, was in there for that on Friday. So then on uh, Sunday, I get uh, some people that I grew up with. Actually, uh, Mike Denunzio from we lived on Camp Avenue in Braddock had been contacting me for a couple of weeks and hey, so can you get together with a few of us for brunch on on Sunday down in Braddock? So we go down and you know we go to this uh, one place and all of a sudden I'm just stunned to see uh, the number of people showing up. Thirty people who I either grew up with or haven't seen for like four decades showed up. You know, people that I was in junior high with or I knew playing on the street and stuff of that nature. And so at the end of it, they all we all came up and took a picture. Well, Nuns uh, ends up standing there with a plaque with seven whereases. And it was from John Fetterman, the mayor of Braddock, where uh, and, you know, Nunzio read, read this. And so the day was named after me in Braddock, PA. Wow. And so uh, March 18th you know, goes down under my name. A Sunday in Braddock, and it was just so flattering to have a, a day named after me in the area I grew up in. Of course, you know, it was a tough area, obviously, because it was you know, a very tough ghetto and a steel town and all that stuff. It's starting to bounce back a little bit right now, but it was so flattering to have a day named after me in Braddock, VA. Man, I mean, that's special, no matter where it's at, and, and it just shows the the impact you've made on your community, and to see someone like you be so successful coming out of there. Is super special. And, you know, you've been covering the, the NFL for that long, since the 70s. I mean, how crazy is it? Did you ever think the NFL would become what it is today? I mean, back then you had guys getting off-season jobs to pay their bills, and now you see quarterbacks making $30 million a year, how big the game is televised nationwide. I mean, what's your thoughts? Did you ever think it could get to this point? Not to this point. I mean, you, I, mean I, I knew back then because, you know, you grew up in Pittsburgh and – you may love baseball, which you do, and you may love. You definitely love hockey. I mean, not you're not as big on the NBA because there's no NBA team, but it was a football town, and so yeah. you knew football was going to be the best. And so ultimately, football was going to be as successful, but not. You didn't anticipate this type of success. Yeah, I just went through the numbers because I was able to get the, uh, the full numbers of where the uh, what the new uh, numbers were for the salary cap and all that, and put the benefits in there. I mean, it's a 14 point nine billion dollar business wow. and it goes up ten million dollars a year a billion dollars every year in revenue and you know you, you, when people think that the sport is hurting that's when things get even stronger i mean here's for example i know nbc was losing money on thursday night football and i think there was some difficulties obviously with the other network and so all of a sudden now you're out of the blue the fox network comes up for thursday night football and puts in over 650 million dollars for the whole season and, of course, uh, that's sharing it with the NFL network. And so now all of a sudden that package grows. You, you see you know, Verizon kicking in new numbers for their streaming of games. You know, that's, that's there. I mean, you know that Amazon uh, you know, put in $10 million per game and came well out of that streaming the games. And they still have some streaming rights to be able to go. So you know that's going well. You know the sponsorships are going well. But the big thing is the popularity of the game. And, I mean, you see it particularly now – uh, because you know, supposedly it's the off season, but there is no off season 
free agency just exploded, and everybody is trying to you know, see where this is going to go. And so in the first week, and you know, we, we, we were just in the process of completing the first week of it, more than 100 players have moved to different teams. You know, about 42, 43 have resigned. I mean, from a list of 417, we're almost getting to the point where 40% of them are gone in a week. But, of course, what does that do? That energizes the fan base because – and what's constantly being asked is what's going on here? What are the Steelers doing at the inside linebacker, which, of course, they signed Joe Bostic? What are they going to do to replace Mike Mitchell? They take, you know, Morgan Burnett. And so, you know, those type of things now, uh, you know, get to the fans and it gets the game even more popular. Yeah, no, you're right. Now, what do you think the Steelers are going to do with Le'Veon Bell? Do you think they get a long term deal? Is he kind of being unreasonable what he's asking for? Yeah, he's totally unreasonable. That's why they'll never get a long-term deal. I think what he, the only way that a long-term deal is going to be struck by Le'Veon Bell is when he hits the open market and then, then finds out what is the value for the best running back in football. Because at the moment, I mean, I know that Adrian Peterson was making $14 million uh, before he got cut two years ago, but uh, that's not the case now. I mean, the highest-paid running back is Devontae Freeman at 8.2, and uh, Shady McCoy up in Buffalo is making eight. And so now he's making, you know, 12 one last year, 14-5-4-4 this year, which is right where the number should be for him. You know, even that's hard, but I don't know in the open market in any year right now, the way that they're not paying running backs, that he can get 12 to $13 million. You know, it's that much more difficult because you know, when you get quarterbacks that can eat up 15% of your cap with the cap room, which, of course, if you got a good quarterback, you just have to make that price. You know, can you pay a running back? that type of money he's worth you know every bit of money he can get i just don't think that he wants 14 15 16 million dollars that's not there for a running back no you're right and i mean what do you think about these quarterbacks shuffling around you're you're like an encyclopedia when it comes to nfl so i i want to make sure to to grab as much as i can but these these moves in free agency with the quarterbacks i mean who who struck gold i know kirk cousins did but what about team wise who was the best? Do you think it was Case Keenum with the Broncos? Who's the best fit? Is it Kirk Cousins? I think it's clearly Kirk Cousins because they've got good receivers. Obviously, they've got a great defense, and defense got even better because they were able to get Sheldon Richardson added at defensive tackle. And then, uh, you know, he's got, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook at running back. He got the break that uh, Latavius Murray restructured his contract and is there, so he's got two running backs. You know, they have the makings of an okay offensive line. I'd still be a little bit concerned about that. But, no, I think what he's done is he put his 4,000 yards per year as passing on a team right now that can very well uh, you know, go to the Super Bowl. Right, and it's kind of what I feel like what Le'Veon Bell's doing. You know, he's betting on himself, continuing to get franchised. And Kirk Cousins, I mean, it worked out for him. You know, he kept betting on himself, and now, you know, the Redskins couldn't afford him. Um, they went and traded for Alex Smith, and then Kirk Cousins is now in Minnesota. I mean, I, I think that's a good fit as as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's just crazy. And then I see Drew Brees, though. Drew Brees looked like he took a fair deal for the team. He did, and normally, I mean, he's pretty tough on them because he's held out one year. He usually maxes out his salary and salary cap, and, of course, even now, uh, with the fair deal, he took a 25 because I thought his strategy would be, you know, you wait until you find out exactly what Kirk Cousins does and then uh, take 750000 a year less than uh, what Kirk Cousins made. You know, like, for example, that's pretty much what he did a couple of years ago when the price of quarterbacks went to 25 He took 24 25 Well, in this case, taking the 25 Now, understand, 
you know, he's got such a high cap number as it is because, you know, he's always been willing to either restructure or, you know, put things in his contract that, uh, you know, to clear up some cap room. So his cap room is so high and that's, you know, they eat up about almost $15, 16000000 million of their cap with restructured deals. And that, you know, it eats a little bit up when you're paying that much for a quarterback. But no, I thought he did a very team friendly deal by taking two years at $50 million. Yeah, I mean, and he's a stud. I, I'm not surprised, or I'm surprised that uh, Cleveland Browns or a team like that didn't just throw money at him to get a veteran savvy quarterback like that to, because that would also gravitate other free agent prospects. Yeah, but also it's like, uh, it would have been such a shallow thing if they did that because, you know, they knew it would be doing that with the idea of drafting a quarterback. And so right. if you're Kirk Cousins, if you're uh, Drew Brees, are you really going to go to a place for money that uh, is going to be a one-year situation? Because say what you want. I mean, you know, there's the future more is in a young quarterback in Cleveland than it is going to be, you know, Drew Brees. Because you still need a couple of years to shape that roster up. And when you're sitting there with the first and fourth pick in the draft, you better come up with one of these quarterbacks. And if you don't, you're you're making the same mistakes the Cleveland Browns have been making for two decades. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's why you know they they made a good move in getting Tyrod Taylor because I thought their only options were to either sign a two-year deal with A.J. McCarron or make the trade for Tyrod Taylor. And I think they probably did better getting Tyrod Taylor because you know they get him in a decent number. And then the big thing is they get him. Now, I know A.J. McCarron was the big loser among the quarterbacks because you know he ended, ended up uh, having to take a, you know, a not a very good deal and not even a starting deal, a two-year $10 million deal in Buffalo. So he turned out to be the big loser. But uh, the fact that Taylor was available for a third-round pick, I think the Browns made a good move. And now they have the luxury at one to be able to take the quarterback and not have to worry about putting him on the field in the first year. Yeah, you're right. Now, who who's that quarterback? Who do you think is this? Sam Darnold or Josh Allen? Is it? I, I think I, I think what they do they break it in into you break these guys into two quarterbacks, two types of quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. I think the ones that are going to take a little bit longer because Dar, uh, Darnold has mechanical things that he has to work on, and then uh, clearly Josh Allen has a lot of things that he's got to work on. But what a, what a great arm. It's one of the best arms I've seen. Right. Uh, you know, you saw that. And remember, John Dorsey just came from a situation in Kansas City where he took Patrick Mahomes uh, with the idea of taking his arm and you know, being patient with it. And once he saw – well, once Andy Reid put him out there in the last game, that solved everything, so they trade Alex Smith. So now I think they're probably Sam Darnold number one and then Josh Allen number two. Where you get the next group, of course, that's where you start to put the New York Jets, you know, because the Jets moved up from six to three on Saturday, right. giving up three second-round picks. And I think they want one that can come a little bit quicker. That's why I think they would take either Josh Rosen or take uh, Baker Mayfield. Right, and I, you know, I love Mayfield's personality. I think we talked about how Rosen is is your kind of smooth, ready to go now. So you're right. I mean, but then it looks. I mean, what about Teddy Bridgewater? He just signed there, and the looks of his contract, he really only got five hundred grand guaranteed. So, is yeah. it possible that they do something with him after they see who they get at number three? Very possible. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think that that would be something that they probably need to wait until they get into training camp and get into a preseason game because, you know, what you want to see is, you know, can he play? And so you put him out there. I mean, you don't have to really rush Josh McCown in the field because you know, he's been there, what, I think since uh, World War II. <laughs> right. He's been so around for so long. And so it's like, you know, you probably get Bridgewater as much, and then if he does well, 
then uh, then maybe you can get some trade value for him. Yeah, I love the fact, too, that he bounced back from that injury. What a tough injury to come back from. So I'm just happy to see he's back on the field. And for a competitor like himself, you know, I'm sure he's fine betting on himself and going into New York and competing. Um, now, Seattle. I mean, I want to get to Seattle because you know these guys. What's going on out there? Is everyone freaking out? I mean, they lose Sherman, Bennett. Uh, um, what's going to what's gonna happen this year out, out in Seattle? Well, it looks like they're breaking it down and building it back up, and they're kind of you know doing it in a way uh, not as dramatic as say 2010, but truly in a dramatic way. Because uh, you know when you look at the 56 guys that they have on the roster, about half of them are there from before 2017, and half are now new to the team this year or last year. You know they've gotten rid of four Pro Bowlers on defense. You know they still have two Pro Bowlers. Uh, well, they, they got rid of two so far. Uh, because Richard Sherman's gone and they traded uh, Michael Bennett. But then, uh, you know, there's a good likelihood that Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill aren't going to be able to play. You know, Sheldon Richardson's left. So now you're down from a group that started with eight Pro Bowlers on defense down down to three because they still have Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and Earl Thomas. Still wouldn't surprise me if they trade Earl Thomas because, you know, they've been adding safeties. Uh, with Bradley McDougal coming back, you know, they were able to add a couple more safeties. And so, you know, they very well could end up uh, trading Earl Thomas. You know, they're basically building the team around the two linebackers and also uh, Russell Wilson. So, uh, you know, it's not – and what's interesting now, it's a little bit harder for them to get some of the top guys in free agency. They wanted Jordy Nelson. He ended up going to Oakland. You know, they're talking to Indomitian Sioux. He's now talking to the Rams and talking to the – uh, New Orleans Saints. So, you know, they're taking a step back to make a step forward. I mean, they're still competitive, but right now they're probably not a Super Bowl team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, can Russell Wilson carry him without that defense? Uh, it's going to be tough, but, you know, the big thing that they want to do is they want to get back into physical running type of football. You know, obviously they don't have Marshawn Lynch. You know, they picked up Ed Dixon to kind of help out with the running game. Uh, because Dixon's a pretty good blocker, and then they're debating whether to sign D.J. Fluker on the offensive line. But their their big mission right now is to uh, try to go ahead and uh, you know get better in the running game and then start to rebuild the defense. And uh, they did it once. Now they have to do it again. Yeah, no, you're right. Now, could you imagine – you mentioned Sue. Could you imagine him going to the Rams with Aaron Donald? Oh, it would be ridiculous. Because, I mean, think about the, the star impact of that. Because I know he's 31 <laughs> – Sometimes he may not be the best teammate, but he's still a dominating player. Yeah. Could you imagine Sue right next to Aaron Donald? I mean, really, when you think about it, now sometimes I think you know Sue rightfully takes a lot of uh, criticism, but you know you can argue that he's a Hall of Fame caliber defensive <clears throat> tackle, and now you put him next to another Hall of Fame uh, caliber defensive tackle on a team that just added Akeem Talib and just added Marcus Peters. That'd be ridiculous. Oh, Sean McVay is doing such a good job over there. And it's funny, I walked by Aaron Donald at the Super Bowl, and I know him and his brother Archie from Toledo. But, um, you know, Aaron Donald, you would never recognize him. I mean, the guy is, he's put together, he's stout, but he's not like Sue. I mean, those two would be a perfect match together. Sue, you recognize anywhere for how big he is. Aaron Donald, man, his explosiveness and quickness is awesome to watch but he doesn't stand out i'm talking to him at, at, at the mall at the super bowl and no one even knows who he is yeah i mean he is you know he is just so uh, quiet 
I mean, I know I've been in that locker room and, you know, you talk to Robert Quinn and all that stuff. And Aaron Donald's like the quietest guy there, almost the most humble guy. It's like, it's just amazing. Uh, but what a great player he is. You know, I thought, and really, until the last couple of injuries, I mean, J.J. Watt was the best defensive player in the game. But now with the injuries over the last two years and the improved play of Aaron Donald, he's unblockable, and he's the best defensive player in football. Yeah, no doubt. Well, John, I appreciate all the time. Check John out, his podcast, Schooled by the Professor. You're the man, John. You're like an encyclopedia, so I always like getting the, the hottest topics, the best information from you. Are you going to go shoot a spinoff commercial for the uh, Ponytail? Uh, not right now. Nothing on the schedule right now. I'm just going to get back into uh, putting some of the numbers of free agency into my database and you know, do my show uh, six days a week in Seattle and uh, next week do a little fill-in on Sirius on uh, XM Radio on NFL. So uh, no, just uh, covering football and having fun and having a day named after me in Braddock, PA. Uh, you're the man, John. Well, thanks again. And, and with those 1.5 million followers, we might have to do shoot a commercial and a little spinoff to that ponytail. But thanks again, John, go. and enjoy. Okay, Bruce.